Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays as we hit the two-week mark of preseason camp. Getting really close to the start of a season now, just about two and a half weeks away from Ohio State versus Notre Dame in the shoe on September 3. So you can feel it in the air, Griffin. Football season is almost here. There's going to be week zero games in just over a week. And so we are getting closer and closer to that season opener. And a couple weeks from now, we'll be previewing that Notre Dame game on here. We'll continue previewing the season over the next couple of weeks here on the show and talking about what we've learned from preseason camp, another eventful week at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center as we had the opportunity to watch a full practice this week. We'll talk about everything we learned from that. Several more interview sessions that have given us some good nuggets to talk about as well. Start out with some bad news for Ohio State because we've talked the last couple of weeks about how healthy Ohio State was and how they were really going into camp almost entirely healthy. Mitchell Melton really being the only guy who was sidelined for Ohio State uh, before camp with a season-ending injury. But unfortunately for the Buckeyes and for redshirt freshman running back Evan Pryor, that good luck came to an end for Ohio State on Monday as he suffered a serious knee injury that is expected to sideline him for the entire 2022 season. That, you know, being the biggest news of, of a week here so far, certainly. And and a tough break for Evan Pryor because he seemed to have some real momentum toward playing a role in Ohio State's offense this year. We didn't know how big a role. We're never going to know how big a role that would have been now because, unfortunately, he's going to be watching from the sidelines. But, you know, certainly a guy, you know, you wrote about him a couple of weeks ago when we talked to him at the Woody Athletic Center. You know, he was feeling very confident in himself. He said, you know, I think I'm a weapon to use in this offense. And, and he felt like he could make a difference. I, I I was really intrigued to see with his skill set, particularly his agility, his pass catching ability of a backfield, if he was somebody who could bring another dimension to Ohio State's offense this year. But he is not going to be able to show that. And that is certainly a hit to Ohio State's depth at running back. Yeah, and, and I think some people might might see that, Dan, and say, you know, Ohio State's third string running back, how how huge of a loss could that be? I mean, he was on the roster last season. He didn't see what he have like 21 carries or something like that. But like you said, I think the the real intrigue was, you know, his his ability as a pass catcher in, in the passing game for Ohio State. Could that have been a, a different element they could have used at the running back position, given that I think he has better skills in that department maybe than a Travion Henderson or a Mayan Williams? And all the the returns from his progress, especially what you saw what he did in the spring game, he had like 100 total yards, a touchdown in that one. Tony Alford said, you know, he had to to do some work physically when he came into the program. I think that was all was something that we all kind of noted when looking at Henderson and prior before last season was, man, Henderson looks a lot more maybe physically ready to play at this level right away. And we saw that he was prior, I think, had to, to, to put on some weight, put on some strength, you know, with Coach Mick and everything like that. But Tony Alford said, you know, just just a, a couple of weeks ago that he feels like Evan Pryor is ready to play now. But, you know, like you said, we will now not be able to see what he would be able to do. And now the other thing is, you know, if if you do have a guy like Henderson or Williams 
go down with with a serious injury, you know, knock on wood there, then you are down to, to some pretty limited depth. Now, Ohio State does have, you know, an, another scholarship running back on the roster with freshman Dallin Hayden, who, you know, coming in as, as a first year guy, he's not as not quite as highly touted a recruit as a Travion Henderson. You wouldn't necessarily expect him to come in and be setting any records, you know, as a as a true freshman or anything like that. But we did actually hear from Kevin Wilson when talking about the scrimmage on Saturday that Dallin Hayden popped a couple of few popped a couple of big runs and had some big plays in that scrimmage, which I think is a good sign considering the injury to prior. But we only learned about the injury to prior after Kevin Wilson was was kind of talking about that. And so then looking back on that, it kind of made sense that Hayden would have gotten some more, you know, looks in that scrimmage. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly when Pryor's injury happened, if it might have happened after the scrimmage, you know, if I'm practicing again on Monday. But to your point, it, it did kind of put that Hayden comment in a new light. Like, oh, he all of a sudden just went from a guy who we thought maybe he's going to redshirt this year to, oh, he's a guy they might actually need. Because you made that point, if, if anything happens to Henderson or Williams, at that point, they're almost certainly going to need Dallin Hayden. So we have heard good things about him. Now Now that's a guy they, they need him to be ready. You know what? I don't think it's going to change much in terms of the top of a depth chart and what that's going to look like for Notre Dame. I think as long as Travion Anderson and Mayan Williams are fully healthy, you know, they'll probably get all the work in that Notre Dame game. But we're certainly going to see plenty of Dallin Hayden after that when you look at games like Arkansas State and Toledo coming up on the schedule. You know, I think those those were games. Maybe those were games where Evan Pryor gets a little more extended run. Now you look at Dallin Hayden getting extended run in those games because they're going to have to be careful with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams to make sure that, you know, those guys stay healthy because the depth is thin. I mean, Ohio State would ideally like to have at least five scholarship running backs. Now they only have three healthy scholarship running backs. And so it does put their depth in a bit of a precarious position there. I mean, the, the good news once again is that you have Travion Henderson and Maya Williams. They could arguably be the best one-two punch in the country. And so you still are in great shape in terms of the top of your depth chart at running back. And in some sense, this maybe even makes it a little bit easier to decide how you're going to split up carries because now instead of having to really worry about feeding three mouths, you, you really only focused on feeding two mouths at this point in, in Travion Henderson and Maya Williams. Dallin Hayden's going to get his opportunities now, but I, you know, he's still a guy being a true freshman, but at least early in the season, I don't think they're going to want to rely on heavily. And so you, you look at Travion and Mayan getting most of that split at the top of the depth chart, but it, it's just a matter of, okay, let's say you have another injury at some point in the season because running back's a position where guys tend to get bumped up and bruised. You know, there tends to be time, and we saw it with Travion Henderson last year, but there were times where, you know, he never suffered a serious injury, but there were times where he had to come in and out of games just because he got banged up. So that's where losing a guy like Pryor, you know, really starts to hurt you now because, okay, you know, now let's say Henderson has to leave a game. Well, then you've got Maya Williams, you know, then you've got, you know, true freshman in Dallin Hayden, who's the next man up. And then after that, who knows? And, you know, and I think that's the other question that a lot of fans have now is do the Buckeyes need to move someone else to running back with Evan Pryor being out? Ohio State does have three walk-on running backs. Caden Saunders is a guy who has been in a program for a year. So, 
you know, he's a guy who certainly could see some touches at some point. They also just brought in two freshmen, TC Caffey and Chase Brecht. Not sure, you know, how ready either of those guys is going to be to play this year, but they do have a few guys in there, you know, probably not as many scholarship guys as you want. And so I think, you know, I, I'm sure Tony Alford and the rest of the coaching staff are having conversations about is there somebody else who, you know, we can look at as an emergency option at running back if we do have any more injuries. Now, you know, to be clear, I don't think that's going to be Steel Chambers. I, you know, I've seen people say, oh, Steel Chambers, he played running back before he moved to linebacker. It's not going to be him. He, he's a starting linebacker. You know, his, his days as a running back are over. I've seen the name Chip Trainum thrown thrown around. You know that one is. You know maybe you can't completely rule that one out because he was just playing running back at Arizona State last year. But I don't think that's likely either because we've heard we we talked about it last week. All the praise that Chip Trainum has gotten during during interviews, and you know he he's been running with the second team at linebacker in practice. You know he he's a guy that you know. I, from what we've heard might be their third linebacker. He might be their top backup behind steel chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. And so I don't think it's likely that he'll be moving back to offense either. Maybe if they become absolutely desperate, if, if things really go wrong, but you know, I think they like him where they have him on, on defense as well. So I don't think that's likely, you know, I think two names you could look at as guys who could be candidates if needed would be, Xavier Johnson, who we've heard a lot of good things about at wide receiver, and I think they really like what he's doing at wide receiver, but he has spent time at running back before. So perhaps, you know, maybe if there's not a lot of playing time to go around for him at wide receiver, and then suddenly the door opens for him to get some snaps at running back, you know, that's something that they could consider. You know, and then another guy who could, you know, maybe be an option as well. I, I haven't heard this, it's just speculation, but. Caleb Brown, their freshman wide receiver who actually lost his black stripe on Tuesday, he he's a guy who played running back mostly in high school. They recruited him as a slot receiver. That's where he's ultimately going to play at Ohio State. But he's a guy that could be a little bit intriguing because I think he has some of that similar skill set to Evan Pryor in terms of being that guy who could catch passes out of a backfield and have that skill set. So I'd be interested to see a guy like him if they explore that possibility at all, because you look at it, the receiver depth chart right now, probably not going to get a lot of playing time at receiver as a true freshman. But the fact that he's the first summer enrollee to lose his black stripe, that indicates that he's doing something right, that they like what they're seeing there. So maybe there could be an opportunity for him to get a few snaps at running back and bring some of that dimension that they thought Evan Pryor could bring. Yeah, I think that the concerns kind of dovetail a little bit with what we heard from Kevin Wilson, and we'll touch on you know what we heard from Wilson and some of the other Buckeye coaches in recent days in a little bit. But just the fact that he said that the running game kind of isn't what it needs to be right now, at least from what he saw in Saturday's scrimmage. And listen, Evan Pryor wasn't going to be used as you know some kind of power back in short yardage situations, which was a lot of what Kevin Wilson was talking about, being able to get tough yards in the run game when everybody in the stadium knows Ohio State's going to run the ball. But at the same time, that those kind of two big headlines there, Ohio State losing, you know, depth in, in the running back room. And then Kevin Wilson saying that the run game isn't necessarily, you know, what it should be at, at this point for Ohio State are, are two things definitely that that kind of dovetail there a little bit. We started the show with some bad news. 
Let's get to some good news if you're an Ohio State fan. Home field apparel, you've probably seen their shirts before from other schools. They've got really cool vintage designs. If you're a college sports fan, the shirts look like they, they could have been made you know, 30, 40 years ago with the different designs that they have, but they're made with modern materials. So they're very comfortable, really cool looking. And at noon on Saturday, Home Field Apparel is going to launch its officially licensed Ohio State collection. 17 different t-shirt designs. We, we've seen the pictures of them. They look really cool. So if you want to get a new Ohio State shirt, if you need some new shirts for the season, go check out homefieldapparel.com at noon on Saturday, and you can save 15% by using code 11warriors. Got to spell that out. That's E-L-E-V-E-N-W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S. Use that code at checkout at noon on Saturday at homefieldapparel.com, and you can save 15%. 15%. It's the final week of Homefield Apparel's Big New Saturday promotion, season four. Penn State just set the sales record last week for the, the most sales at launch for a Big New Saturday campaign. They're hoping Ohio State fans can break the sales record this week. And knowing what we know about Ohio State fans, Griffin, they're, they're very competitive. So I'm sure that our listeners will help Ohio State fans take their best shot. Yes, before you hit Ohio State's home field in just a couple weekends here, you can you can do that in some home field apparel. The designs look very cool. You know, I'm a fan of, of some of the stuff that, that they've done as well. And so head on over to homefieldapparel.com there. But Dan, we got to see some action on the field at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center recently to, to actually take in a full practice last week for Ohio State. The, the only time we had the opportunity to do that this preseason. And we, we got to see some, some you know, some seven-on-seven seven action, some some 11-on-11 11 11 action. We got to see a lot of, you know, run game drills as well with Ohio State just, just jamming the ball up the middle to, to test that that toughness there on the Ohio State defense and everything like that. What were some of your main takeaways from a lot of action we got to take in seeing Ohio State go head-to-head 11-on-11 11 11 there? Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's so much more interesting when we can actually watch a full practice, right? When we actually get to watch team drills we actually get to see what players look like in a football setting instead of just going through you know stretching lines and, and individual drills so really enjoyed the opportunity to to do that last Thursday looks like it's going to be the last time we're going to get to watch Ohio State practice so the next time we actually really get to watch Ohio State players go through football drills is is going to be when they're warming up for that Notre Dame game on September 3 but you know I mean I think certainly one of the first areas that my eyes went to when we were out there at practice was the cornerback position because we had just heard uh, from from Jim Knowles a couple of days before that that cornerback had become a concern with injury issues. And we, we did see that at practice on Thursday where you know, they had Ja'Kalen Johnson taking some first team reps at corner because Cam Brown was on a pitch count. And then you had, you know, Jair Brown, the true freshman, taking a lot of second team reps opposite Lloyd McFarquhar, the walk-on, because Ryan Turner was also sidelined. Jansen Dunn, who has been getting some reps at that cornerback position in addition to safety, he was also limited with an injury. So you could see why Jim Knowles brought that up as a concern 
as we were out there at, at, at practice when they had a walk on running with the second team, though, we got to give Lloyd McFarquhar some love because he had an interception. Like, you know, I think it, it's easy to go out there and see a walk on running with the second team and go, oh, this this doesn't seem ideal. But he, he was out there looking good. I mean, for for a guy who transfer portal earlier this year with intentions of transferring somewhere else for playing time for him to be running with the second team defense and looking pretty good doing it that, that that's that's pretty nice for for Lloyd, Lloyd McFarquhar good to see him out there making some plays yeah Dan when, when Jim Knowles was talking about the cornerback situation and saying that he thought that that some of those you know at least the depth concern could be a long-term thing we we only actually really knew about the the Jordan Hancock injury situation, but I was kind of thinking it's kind of it's got to be more than just one guy at that that position. If Knowles is is kind of speaking with with such concern about the depth at cornerback, and then we we got to see that firsthand at that practice. Like you said, I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway. Like, whoa, there 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 is some some cornerback depth issues. If a Lloyd McFarquhar is getting out there with the second team, but. You know, I think a lot of people might have been scoffing at that. Us, us in the the media, you know, sitting in the bleachers, there, kind of looking at each other, like, "Oh wow!" But then he he made us, you know, any anyone scoffing, he kind of made us all eat crow with that that interception, you know, in coverage against Emeka Abuka of all people, who you know is has received no shortage of praise this preseason as well, and could be a a huge part of the Buckeye offense. But I do think, you know, like you said, after that practice, we got to talk to to Ryan Day, and and he he said that he doesn't expect the cornerback injuries to be long term. So that's a good sign. Also, Cam Cam Brown, who wasn't out there for for some of the drills, we did end up seeing him come back onto the field when they when they did some eleven on eleven stuff. So I think you know he, he seems to be on on something of a a pitch count there and everything like that. Obviously, he's a, he's a veteran guy who is who's dealt with injuries in the past. You know, we we often see in the preseason that guys like that you know sometimes get a a load break or some load management there in the preseason to kind of, uh, you know, stop from getting run down before the season begins. But Dana, other, other big takeaways for me from that practice, um, I would say, you know, the, the Tommy Eichenberg hype continues to kind of build for me. I'm, I'm starting to become a believer here in Eichenberg. He was, he was living in the, in the backfield there for much of that, uh, you know, practice in those scrimmage uh, kind of reps, the seven on a seven and, and 11 on 11 stuff, making a lot of plays, getting really juiced up. Obviously he was just named a captain as well. You're starting to kind of see what everyone's been talking about with Tommy Eichenberg at that, you know, Mike linebacker spot. Yeah. I thought he had a really good practice when you're out there. I mean, you see it specifically in those inside run drills. He really, he really thrives on those. And I think that's my, the question I still have of Tommy Eichenberg is he looks really good in those, you know, inside run settings, you know, stop him to run in the box. The question is, you know, is he a guy that, are going to be able to pick on in coverage is he a guy is going to have some struggles when when you spread him out in, in space I mean I think we saw he was up and down in those areas last year and so I, I think that's the question is you know has he made strides in those areas to where he's a guy that they can consistently rely on to be a free down linebacker because Jim Knowles was on BTN last week and I thought he had an interesting comment he was talking about you know, kind of how he wants to rotate on defense. And he said, you know, defensive line, we're going to play a lot of guys, but at linebacker and in the secondary, he said, I, he really doesn't want to rotate those guys very much. Basically saying that, you know, he wants to have basically one extra guy at each position who can, who can go in and rotate and keep guys fresh. But the way I interpreted his comments were, 
and and he's made it clear at this point that you know Steel Chambers and, and Tommy Eichenberg are the top two linebackers on the depth chart. The way I interpreted his comments is he wants those guys to be on the field a lot more often than not, which means you know, it, it's not likely to be a situation where you know you have a Tommy Eichenberg playing against the run and then they're taking him out you know, on, on a third and long. Now there, there might be packages in which they do that. There might be packages in which they bring in another safety or, or whatnot, you know, to try to match up with what offenses are doing. But, you know, I think they certainly want those two linebackers who are the starters to be guys that they can rely on to play in every situation. And so I think that's the question for me with a guy like Tommy Eichenberg is, you know, just, you know, is, has his game become complete enough where you can rely on him in every situation. But I mean, everything we've heard about Tommy Eichenberg this year has been positive. So certainly to see it on the field in a camp setting backs up, corroborates a lot of what we've already heard. Dan Randay said, you know, in, in the, in the press conference after that practice, that we watched it. There's really only a few positions where there's legitimate starting battles going on. Right. And, you know, I think at wide receiver, we 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 kind of think that there could be a, a couple, a, a few different guys, four guys, maybe that could that could start at those three spots. But one of those positions to kind of watch, we, we weren't we didn't know for sure, you know, who's going to be the, the starter between a guy like Julian Fleming and Emeka Buka. Obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a starter all season for the Buckeyes of healthy. We, we all think, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. with what he did in the Roseville three touchdowns kind of solidified a spot there as well. But Julian Fleming and Emeka Buka, which of those guys? Fleming being a guy with with a little bit more experience, but Ibuka maybe has flashed more in limited experience for the Buckeyes. But Fleming getting a lot of run as a first team wideout out there, Dan. I know you've been a little bit hesitant in in the past year, perhaps, about Julian Fleming. Could he live up to the five star billing? What did you see there? Are you starting to buy the Julian Fleming hype, Dan? I am. I am. I, I am because it, it feels real right now, just based on what we've heard. And then going out there at camp and watching him run with the first team all practice and 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 make some plays look good doing it. I mean, you could see his explosiveness. A lot, a lot of the catches he made during that practice were on shorter routes, and you could see that explosiveness. You know, his ability to catch those shorter passes and and take off and, and be a guy who's dangerous with with the ball in his hands. You know, I think he's a guy. You know, he, he's playing that. You know, I, I think it's interesting because. You know, him and Abuka, most likely one of those guys who's going to start at that Z receiver position, which is what Chris Olave played last year. But I don't think either of them has quite the same skill set as an Olave. Like Olave, he was so elite as a, as a deep threat guy and is kind of that intermediate route runner. I, I think Fleming and Abuka are both a little different. I mean, I think Abuka is a guy who's going to be really dynamic in the open field. I think Fleming has some of that too. I think it's a little different. I think Fleming's a bigger guy, you know, may, maybe a little bit more like inclined to be that downfield guy, but just watching him in practice, I think maybe he has a little bit more of that, you know, kind of open field, you know, turn a short pass into a bigger game than, than maybe I anticipated too. And so that's going to be a really, you know, interesting position to watch. I mean, it's interesting because I come out of that practice and I go, and I, th- I think Julian Fleming is going to start over Emeka Buka. But then even in the past week since, we've continued to hear Emeka Buka's name come up time and time again. It sounded like 
he made some nice plays on the scrimmage just based on what we heard over the last couple of days. And so I think my ultimate guess at that position is that Julian Fleming's going to start some games and Omeka Buka is going to start some games. And I, I have a feeling they're both going to end up playing a comparable amount of snaps as, as we've seen Ohio State do in the past. You know, last year we didn't really see that level of ro- rotation, but I, I, I do think there's going to be more rotation, at least at those outside spots. That's what, that's what Ryan Day, you know, indicated last week that they are looking to rotate a little bit more at those spots. You know, I, I, I think Smith and Jigba, like, I mean, I think it, it, against a team like Notre Dame, he's almost never going to come off a field. I don't think Harrison's going to come off the field very much either, but I think Fleming and Abuka, I, I think it's going to be more of a rotation between those two guys and, and maybe to some degree extending, you know, to Harrison too, in terms of those three guys rotating. And then, you know, you, you know, you do, I mean, you even have guys like a Xavier Johnson, who I also thought was impressive in the practice. I mean, every time we go out to a practice, that guy's making plays. So the way they talk him up as a walk-on, that's not fake with Xavier Johnson. Like every time we go out there, he makes plays. He looks legit as a receiver. So I don't know how many snaps are going to be there to go around for him just because of how talented that receiver room is. But I genuinely believe that Xavier Johnson is probably their fifth receiver right now, you know, along with Jaden Boward and Cam Babb also being in that mix. I, I think some combination of those guys is going to make up the two deep at receiver. I don't know how much those guys are going to play compared to the other four, but I think Xavier Johnson might legitimately be in position to be the fifth receiver on this team, just based on everything that we've seen and heard. What about another guy, Dan, that we didn't necessarily expect to see making a lot of big plays in the passing game when we watched that practice? Cade Stover at tight end. Hey, we've talked so much about tight ends and tight end targets over the last several seasons. Jeremy Ruckert seemed like a guy if, if any Ohio State tight end was going to be getting a lot of looks in the passing game, it figured to be Jeremy Ruckert, given his credentials as a pass catcher coming out of high school, you know, as a wide receiver, things of that nature. Cade Stover, not in that mold per se. Obviously, he's a guy who's played on defense for Ohio State. They tried him out at multiple positions. A, a big physical guy. He likes he's he's a rugged, a rugged customer, Dan. Obviously, you know, Stover Farms and everything like that kind of fits his brand as more of that inline blocker for Kevin Wilson, which is something that I definitely think that he likes about Cade Stover but he had like a you know an 80 yard touchdown catch in in that you know practice setting although I don't think after he got to a certain point I don't think the 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 DBs were necessarily trying to chase him down but uh, one big play for sure uh, when we got to see those guys play another he had another one later on maybe an 11 on 11s down the field a nice catch he he looking like a tight end that could, could definitely catch some balls next season despite the fact that I don't think any of us are necessarily convinced that you know, Cade Stover is going to be getting a hundred targets this season or anything like that. When you have skill position guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba, like Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, like Emeka Abuka, Julian Fleming, and the list goes on and on in that passing game. But an, an encouraging sign to see that, you know, if Ohio State needs to switch things up, that Cade Stover can can potentially make some plays, haul in some balls, and, and, and pick up some chunk yardage downfield. Yeah, Kevin Wilson interrupted Cade Stover's interview session on Monday and he came over and he said, how many catches are you going to get this year, Cade? And and Cade jokingly said 40, which drew a reaction of disbelief from the crowd in attendance. I think he realistically knows he is not going to catch 40 passes this year. I don't think any of us expect that he's going to catch 40 passes this year. But I will say, like, 
he was one of the guys, probably one of the top two or three guys that impressed me the most watching him at practice because he really did. He he made a couple of really nice plays in the downfield passing game, which the downside of that is Ohio State has to play Michael Mayer from Notre Dame in a couple of weeks, and they did seem to be leaving the tight ends open at times on defense. So that's the thing about practice is you can always look at these things in two ways. On one hand, it's like, well, does Ohio State defense have some work to do in terms of covering tight ends? But on the other hand, to see Cade making those plays in the deep passing game, and you know, when I talked to him on Monday, I asked him about that and how much he's improved in that area. And he said he he spent you know about forty five minutes to an hour, about three to four times a week this summer with Keenan Bailey, one of the support staffers who helps out on offense and who a lot of people think really highly of inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And Keenan helped him kind of develop his footwork and his route running as a receiver. And you could certainly see that paying off just by what we've seen from him in in camp. I I think he showed, okay, this is a guy who's clearly improved as a receiver. And then you pair that with what Kevin Wilson said on Monday, where it was pretty clear that right now, Cade Stover and Mitch Rossi are the top two tight ends on the depth chart. I think we thought, you know, maybe they're maybe there really is a bigger opening for a guy like Joe Royer or G Scott based on those guys probably being the best, most talented receivers in the group, but seeing the way Cade has progressed as a receiver and then hearing those comments from Kevin Wilson makes me think Cade Stover is probably going to play the most of the tight ends this year. Mitch Rossi's probably going to play the second most and Joe Royer and G Scott, may still be waiting another year for their chance to to really play a lot of snaps again barring injuries yeah dan there, there's a lot of people in my mentions on twitter that have been saying things you know like g scott tight end one you know te one i think they they're probably were disappointed after hearing some of kevin wilson's remarks there when we got to talk to him you know of course saying Cade stover and mitch rossi being the top two tight ends he, he also said mitch rossi is one of the top 14 or 15 players on offense in general and obviously he's been cutting his teeth in the program you've you've wrote written about mitch rossi a lot as well but obviously like that that was kind of a question like because because tight end depth in general was Ohio State going to bring in a transfer at that position and everything like that mitch rossi isn't a guy who's necessarily played pure tight end when he's gotten his his chances on the field for Ohio state obviously he was playing that kind of hybrid fullback tight end role for the buckeyes but it sounds like this this season that you know he could could play more of a traditional tight end for Ohio state i think kevin wilson likes kind of the years he's put in in the program and, and what he's been able to show the consistency and reliability of a guy like Mitch Rossi while Joe Royer and G Scott maybe still have to put on even more size or, or strength and, and continue to round out their skill set in terms of being blockers and complete tight ends. I still have to wonder though, will G Scott, will he get some opportunities to kind of change things up, change gears and, and make some plays downfield when people aren't expecting it given the fact that Ohio State doesn't typically throw to the tight ends, that seem that still seems like an area where like Ohio State could exploit that if teams aren't preparing for that at all, given Ohio State's t- tendencies on offense. Yeah, and I'll I'll have a story on G Scott on 11warriors.com on Wednesday, probably up by the time you're you're listening to this. And I I was it was interesting talking to him about how he, he's bulked up to 240 pounds and he really sees himself as a true tight end now. You know, I think when we talked to him a year ago, 
you got the vibe that he still kind of viewed himself as a receiver playing tight end. Now he's like, I don't want that label. I want you to, I want you to call me a tight end. I want to be a true tight end. And so it seems like he's trying to make that transformation into not just being viewed as a receiver who plays tight end, but you know, somebody who's really a well-rounded tight end. You'd still think both that receiver background, he might be able to offer them something there. Like you said, as a, a different kind of receiving threat inside then you know maybe maybe they'll have out there in their base offense and i do think that's something that they should look to try to exploit at least on a situational basis this year dan back on the topic of the ohio state defense it continues to pick up a lot of positive reactions from coaches and players as we continue to talk to them here in the preseason continuing to generate a lot of buzz for the way that Jim Knowles is kind of reshaping and remolding things. Kevin Wilson and the tight ends in particular, when we asked about you know how the defense looked in the scrimmage, they had a lot of good things to say. Kevin Wilson saying you can, you can feel the presence out there of the defense, that they're playing confidently. Kevin Wilson also said that the defense had a couple turnovers in the scrimmage. He said, you know, that's good for them, bad for us as the Ohio State offense. Those, those comments seem to kind of indicate that the defense might have outplayed the Ohio State offense, or at least that some of the coaching coaches didn't necessarily love everything they saw from the Ohio State offense. But you have to think, you know, that's 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 a good sign for the Ohio State defense, if anything, because I think we expect the Ohio State offense to be pretty darn good, you know, or the best in the entire country as we've seen it be. So if the Ohio State defense is having some success against that unit, I think that that says a lot about what Jim Knowles is doing there. Also, a lot of fans seem to be excited about a clip that that Joey Galloway put on put on Instagram of a uh, Tommy Eichenberg laying laying the wood down, so to speak, against Mayan Williams in the run game. And we just talked about the fact that we, we saw a lot of that when we got to see that practice. Obviously, we didn't get to see the scrimmage, but that was kind of a peek behind the curtains. Then, yeah, you get the vibe just from talking to the tight ends on Monday that it's just not as easy against the defense as maybe it was the last couple of years. Like I think the Ohio state offense kind of got used to beating up on the defense in practice. And you definitely got the vibe just from talking it on Monday, that that's not what happened on Saturday, but that maybe the offense look as good as they had hoped in that scrimmage, which again, we talk about both sides of a coin, but I think that's a net positive if that's the case, because as you talked about, we know how talented this offense is. We know how high of a ceiling is for that offense. We also know the defense has to be better than last year. So I think if the defense is making life difficult for a talent or an offense as talented as Ohio State, that's a really good sign about what the Ohio State defense has the chance to become. Now, on the negative side of that coin, Kevin Wilson did say on Monday that short yardage running game for Ohio State is not where it needs to be right now. And I think that's something that certainly draws a lot of red flags for Ohio State fans because we did see it last year in, in the biggest games of the year. Ohio State struggled to get those third down conversions on the ground. They, they struggled to get those tough yards when they really needed them. And it certainly sounded, based on the way Kevin Wilson talked on Monday, that they don't feel like they're where they need to be yet in terms of their improvement on that side of the ball. Now, 
it's always tougher to talk about this stuff when we're just going off of coach comments rather than actually seeing it because that could just be a coach trying to motivate his players. Or it could be very much his real opinion right now that they're not good enough to run him a ball in, in those situations. And certainly I think you look at a game like the season opener that Ohio State has against Notre Dame, that's the kind of game where you need to be able to rely on your running game where you need to be able to get those tough yards in those third and short situations and around the goal line. And so what did you make of all that, Griffin? I know that you wrote about it, just about Kevin Wilson's concerns on the run game. And if that's something that we should be concerned about. Yeah. We've kind of talked about this in the past too, with like the preseason in college football Everyone's like kind of hyping everybody else up. Everyone's having the best offseason they've ever had. Everyone looks great. All oh, the whatever the new scheme is, whatever the new thing is, you know, heading into this season, it's all looking wonderful out there. So that's what makes, you know, kind of a, a, a transparent comment like what Kevin Wilson said stick out all the more because he he seemed to be very honest about that fact for the Buckeyes that, you know, the short yardage run game doesn't look isn't up to speed necessarily. And that's been a, that was a problem last year for Ohio State, not necessarily all season long. Like like we said, whenever you kind of criticize the Ohio State run game, you're like, okay, well they had what the the third best yards per carry in the entire country, so how bad could it really have been? But the flip side of that is it was kind of feast or famine, boom or bust at times. And when Ohio State needed short yards or, or to pick up a first down, you know, on on the ground, it couldn't do it against a team like Michigan where, where Ohio State had averaged a 2.1 yards per carry in that game. And that's what I think Kevin Wilson's kind of talking about. And it's like, when we absolutely have to run the ball, we have to bail out CJ Stroud occasionally with the, the, the few occasions where you might need to actually, you know, bail out CJ Stroud in the Ohio State passing attack. They have to be able to do it. And so I think fans are kind of looking at that and saying, okay, that was one of the, that was the biggest question mark for the Ohio State offense coming into the season is, you know, that, that was the one coach on offense that that didn't return Greg Stujawa last season. So if you read between the lines on that, that was, you know, maybe the one thing that Ryan Day wasn't pleased with last season. And so I, I think that could be a troubling comment. But I also think that there's a couple caveats as we talked about. One being that Kevin Wilson said that some of the top guys on offense weren't out there a whole lot. So, you know, was that Travion Henderson and, and some of those guys? not being able to make plays or was it, you know, Dallin Hayden out there not being able to pick up tough yardage, you know, who knows on that front. And then also as, as we talked about here, kind of, it's a good thing for the Ohio state defense and in particular the Ohio state defensive line, who we've heard a lot of good things about Jim Knowles saying that that's been, it kind of seems like Dan of of all the things on the Ohio state defense, the the defensive line and, and Larry Johnson, of course, with the credentials he has, that's kind of the the least of Jim Knowles' concerns, right? I mean, that's kind of the least of, of what we've heard Jim Knowles discuss. It's been a lot of talk about safeties and, and the linebacker play, everything like that. In terms of the defensive line, it's kind of like, yeah, those guys are getting after it. They're, they're getting a lot of push on the line of scrimmage, everything like that. And yeah, that, that kind of goes into to another thing we, we heard. We just talked to Larry Johnson on Tuesday, and we were kind of wondering, you know, every year the Ohio State defensive line is deep, right? But how deep really is it this year? He he said, you know, if I'm lucky, we could play 12 guys in the rotation, Dan, which which is certainly a lot. And when you start looking at all the names on the defensive line, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they, they, they've got that many guys that could play. And when you talk about 
you know, all these young guys mixed with the veterans that have, that are returning starters, you bring back a lot of these super talented freshmen from a year ago. Those are guys that could really have big years this season. And it starts to look like a really loaded group at defensive line. Yeah. I mean, I think we will see 10 defensive linemen see at least semi-regular playing time this year with Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuimolowau, Javante Jean-Baptiste, and Tyler Friday at defensive end. And then Teron Vincent, Jerron Cage, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, and Mike Hall at defensive tackle. I'd be surprised if any one of those 10 guys isn't seeing their share of snaps. And so it is a really deep defensive line. I think that's probably one of the reasons why Ohio State was struggling in short yardage situations in the scrimmage, because if they had their twos in there on the offensive line going against the, you know, quote unquote twos on the defensive line, because it's like they, they almost have 10 guys that I think they legitimately view as guys who could start games this year. And so I think the depth on the defensive line remains a lot better than the depth on the offensive line. And that probably had some to do with it. You know, if, if they had situations there where you had, you know, the second team offensive line in the game, we know in the spring, just from what we saw in the spring, that the second team offensive line was usually overmatched by the second team defensive line. And so that, you know, probably has a lot to do with it. But I think one comment that really stood out to us, though, from listening to Larry Johnson on Tuesday was he said that he thinks Ohio State will have a quote unquote alpha dog in the defensive line room, but he wouldn't say who it was. So Griffin, as podcasters, I think we have to do a little investigating now. Who is going to be this mysterious alpha dog in Ohio State's defensive line room who Larry Johnson believes is ready to go out and lead this unit this year? Yeah, before I make my prediction here, Dan, I will just say that, you know, we say that the Ohio State defensive line is deep, right? And it's always deep. It's been deep the past two seasons. But since we saw Chase Young leave the program, obviously after that record-breaking 2019 season, the stats have not been, you know, eye-popping for a lot of those defensive players, you know, with, I think in 2020, even in an eight-game season, it, the, 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 the team leader in sacks, you know, was like 3.5 sacks. Then last year, 5.5 sacks was the, the team lead. Those are not, you know, huge numbers for a group that we're used to seeing kind of produce big numbers and, and NFL stars at that defensive end position in particular. This year, it seems like Larry Johnson has confidence that, that there is going to be a guy that's going to be putting up some big numbers, although it could be one of, of several guys, as you say. I think, you know, perhaps the most popular pick here, I, I think, is going to be JT Tui uh, Moloau. Because I think, you know, obviously a top five player in the country coming into the season. We've seen him flash in the spring. We've heard him talked up by the Ohio State coaching staff. And then I think, you know, with Jack, Jack Sawyer being another guy that people are going to say, I think with him playing that that Jack position, that's either going to mean that he's going to be, you know, super productive or it could mean the fact that he's kind of splitting reps from the, the traditional roles as a defensive end to maybe play that Jack position. Maybe that could could hurt his potential to be that you know, alpha dog defensive end or defensive lineman. So I'm going to go with JT, Dan, but I know there's there's even more candidates beyond just those two as well. Yeah, I mean, to me, it really could be one of three guys. It could be JT Tumolowal, it could be Jack Sawyer, or it could be Zach Harrison. Like I think of, you know, guys who, you're talking about a guy who could really be a game changer on that defensive line. That, again, I mean, again, I don't, I don't think we're going to sit, either of us is going to sit here and say anybody's going to be Chase Young 
on this defensive line or Nick Bosa because those guys were elite elite players. We, you know, we need to actually see that from these guys before we can start making comparisons like that. But when I think about guys who could potentially elevate their game and really become the elite dominant player, those are the three guys that really jumped to mind for me. I'm with you, but like if there's one guy that Larry Johnson already has in mind that like he's seeing is going to be that guy and is going to become that guy. Like if I just had to guess, I would go with JT to Amolo out just because I, 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 I think he fits that description of, of what you think a, a guy that could be an alpha dog, a guy that could really impact the game on every single play, whether it's a pass play or a running play. I view JT as a guy who certainly has the potential to be that kind of player. And so I think he could be that alpha dog. I think, you know, Jack Sawyer, like you said, especially if the role he's going to play, he has the potential to be that kind of player too. And then, you know, I, I don't think you can look past and, and write off Zach Harrison. I know that he's a guy who hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype over the course of his first three years, but you know, this is a guy that I know is really motivated going into his senior year to to want to finish his his career strong at Ohio State and, and prove that he should be an early round NFL prospect. And if he's gonna do that, he's gotta have that big year, but we've all been waiting on him to see. So I think it's it's very trendy to pick the two five-star sophomores. And and I'm with you like when I'm predicting who I think are going to be the most productive defensive linemen on the team this year. My picks are JT Tuamolowau and Jack Sawyer, but I think Zach Harrison still has that p- potential too. And if and if he emerges as the alpha dog of his defensive line, I wouldn't be shocked. What about we got, we got to give some love to Tyleek Williams as well as another guy who you know I don't know if it will actually start just because you have guys like Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage with with so much experience and have been there for so many years. But he was a guy like we've talked about it before who who you know did a lot in a very small number of snaps last season. And he's a guy that's going to be getting a lot more reps, but also I think another thing that kind of points to maybe that alpha dog being one of the younger guys is that Larry Johnson was talking about, Oh, we've got young guys who you're going to be surprised what they can do on the field. Now he also said like, Oh, we've got young guys that you guys haven't seen that you haven't seen in practice and things like that, which kind of makes me think, okay, is he talking about, you know, more, more of a, of the actual true factor? Is he talking about a guy like Caden Curry, who we've heard a lot of things about in terms of the young guys being able to step up? Or is he referring to, you know, you're going to see some of these underclassmen like JT, Jack Sawyer, Tyler Williams, who didn't play a ton last season, have, you know, huge roles and potentially be, you know, one of those alpha dogs like we're talking about here. Well, and you mentioned all the other sophomores. We got to mention Mike Hall too, because Mike Hall is a guy who's gotten a lot of love the past couple of days in interview. Kevin Kevin Wilson was was saying about how you know him being a third team defensive tackle right now, and he's I think he said something along the lines of he's the best three I've ever seen in terms of you know him being a guy who's is a disruptive player, even though he might not be at the top of a depth chart, and then. That comment was passed along to Larry Johnson on Tuesday, and Larry Johnson said, "Yeah, he's he's not a freeze, and he's getting a lot of first and second team reps." We saw that at practice last Thursday. That I think when they, when they did like the first like inside run drill, that he was actually one of the first guys to get uh, first team reps alongside Teron Vincent. Now I anticipate that you know Jerron Cage will start at that nose position, and that 
Ty Hamilton will be the backup and that Mike Hall will be the third guy in that rotation. But he's another guy as well who I, I think is really forced his way into the conversation of a guy who's going to see real significant playing time this year. Dan, another thing in the news for the Buckeye football program was that they named captains and the Block O jersey recipient this past weekend after the scrimmage. On the six captains being Cam Babb, CJ Stroud, Cade Stover, Tommy Eichenberg, Tyler Friday, and Court Williams. The Block O jersey recipient being Cam Babb, who I think we all kind of had that one circled and penciled in for a while with everything he's been through and everything like that. Um, you know, we we ha- we do have to acknowledge that you know there have been some some rumors that Cam Bab might have suffered another injury. The last we heard from that kind of situation, Ryan Day said that that Bab had had suffered a, a tweak, but was expected to be back. Maybe some some rumblings, but but no confirmation about a, a further injury to Bab. That would be pretty heartbreaking, Dan. I think if if Cam Bab had suffered another big injury, but certainly cool to see him receive the you know honor of captain and the and the block O jersey as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll certainly say that I hope it's not true. You know, the 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 rumblings out there that you know he he may have suffered another more significant injury because man, he has had absolutely no injury luck over the past five years, and so I, I hope that's not the case because I know that you know there's a lot of excitement about him, and you know I know there's still a lot of people inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center who believe that if he's healthy, he's a guy who can make an impact on the offense this year you know how big that role will be with all the talent we already talked about in that room i don't know but you know the one thing we do know about cam bab is that everybody in the woody hayes athletic center loves him and that he is a guy who is viewed as maybe the best leader on the entire team and so i think just for all the perseverance he's shown i mean no matter what happens from here on out if he ever you know is really able to get on the field catch passes whatnot just the fact that he has torn his acl four times and he continues to give his all every day and he continues to 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 go after it i mean i think that just speaks to a a level of perseverance that's truly admirable because quite honestly if if i had had anywhere near the kind of injury history that that he he has had i i probably would have uh, giving it up by now, you know, I mean, to, just to to have so many setbacks over and over again, I, I think it would be hard not to be demoralized by that. But he's a guy who has just continued to to maintain a, a, a remarkably positive attitude, despite all the things that he's gone through. And so I, I think it was pretty much a no brainer for him to receive the block O jersey this year. And no, no matter what happens on the field, he's a guy who is truly valued by the program for the leadership that he's going to bring to the team off the field. And I, I think he's someone, you know, certainly based on his comments after receiving that Jersey, that he understands the responsibility that comes with that. You know, Ryan days talked so much about the importance of more leadership this season. And Cam Babb is one of the guys very much at the forefront of, of the leadership that, Ryan Day wants the Buckeyes to have this year. Yeah, Dan, talking talk about the other captains as well here. Obviously, on, on offense, Bab, Stroud, Stover on defense, Eichenberg, Friday, and Court Williams. I think you know none of those are are necessarily shocking by any means, and they all make sense based on what we've heard, you know, from the Ohio State program this preseason. But any of them 
particularly surprising to you, Dan, that, in terms of people that actually did receive the captain status? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's the list that I would have expected. I mean, I, I did an article on this a few weeks ago for the most likely captains on this year's team. And to be fully transparent, I mean, uh, of the six guys that I put down as, as the most likely, I, I went 50% because I had Zach Harrison, Taraja Mitchell, and Jackson Smith and Jigba on there. Harrison and Mitchell, largely based on the fact that both of them were captains last year. Smith and Jigba, largely based on the fact that you know, he's talked a lot about wanting to become a bigger leader this offseason and you know, him really alongside CJ Stroud being the face of the team. I mean, being one of the two biggest stars on the team. And so I I felt like all three of those guys were likely to be captains. I thought Ronnie Hickman was another guy, especially after he was chosen to represent the team at Big Ten Media Days. I thought he was another guy who was very much in that conversation as well. But you know, if you look at the six guys who were chosen, it's no coincidence that there were seven guys who were named Iron Buckeyes a couple of weeks ago for their performance in the offseason, and five of those guys who are now captains. The only one of them that wasn't in the Iron Buckeye list was CJ Stroud. And I mean, I, I would have been shocked if CJ Stroud wasn't a captain. I thought he was the second biggest lock to be a captain after Cam Babb, and he actually received the most votes from his teammates. And so no surprise on, on Cam Babb, no surprise on CJ Stroud, certainly no surprise on Tommy Eichenberg based on in everything we've heard about his leadership all, all off season and all the good things we've already talked about hearing from them. You know, Cade Stover's a guy that I know, you know, Kevin Wilson and Ryan day have gone out of their way to talk up his leadership. And so that one uh, doesn't surprise me. I mean, court Williams is a guy the day Ohio State signed him, Ryan Day said, I'll be shocked if he's not a captain at Ohio State someday. Last offseason, about 10 different people said that Court Williams was the hardest worker on the team. And so that was a guy, it was a matter of when, not if. I thought maybe he would have to wait one more year just because he hasn't played that much, but definitely not shocked to see his name on the list of captains. The one that I'll I'll admit I did not see coming, I did not have him on my list in that aforementioned article, was Tyler Friday. I, I can't say I saw that one coming. Biggest reason being that because I thought Zach Harrison would be a captain again, being a returning captain at that defensive end position, I didn't necessarily anticipate that another defensive end was going to get that spot. But you know, I asked Zach Harrison about Tyler Friday on Tuesday about why he's a captain. And, and Zach said, Tyler's been a leader ever since I walked in the door. And so certainly Zach and all the other defensive linemen, just based on what we heard from them on Tuesday, they absolutely view Tyler as one of the best leaders on the team. And so does the team as a whole, because he was elected to that role by his teammates. So it's, I, I'd have to say for me, that one was the biggest surprise but when you hear what they had to say about him and you factor in the fact that he was an iron buckeye this offseason it adds up as to why he ultimately received that honor yeah and harrison even said you know tyler friday is kind of a leader among leaders he's a he's a leader that other other you know captains and leaders on the ohio state football team will actually lean on when they you know when something's going wrong for them or have some uncertainty. So I thought that was a cool quote from Harrison there. 
being a, a former captain now for Ohio State and certainly giving all the vote of confidence necessary in Tyler Friday to be the, the captain representative for that Ohio State defensive line. Yeah, and then, and then I think Hickman might have been the most kind of surprising non-captain for me, given that you know he he was the the representative for the Ohio State defense at Big Ten Media Days. Now, obviously, the distinction there being that you know Ohio State is choosing the you know the powers that be, uh, the uh, administration at Ohio State, let's say the coaches and, and things like that are, are choosing who's going to go to represent the media days versus the captains actually voted on by the team. But certainly, Ronnie Hickman. You know, couldn't have been too far off there from making the cut, I wouldn't think, given that it kind of seems like he's being tabbed as the, you know, starting free safety, things of that nature. A guy that's going to be on the field a ton for Hase this season. You would think he would he's going to be a leader for this defense regardless. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. Only two more of these to go until we are watching an actual football game between Ohio State and Notre Dame. So we'll be back next week. Uh several more media availabilities to come between now and then. So we'll talk about everything we learned as those and also start to look ahead a little bit more to, to the season as a whole as well. Maybe break down the schedule, kind of make some predictions for how we see the season as a whole playing out before two weeks from now, when we'll really dive into that Ohio state Notre Dame matchup that everybody is so excited about. So thanks again for listening in and we'll talk to you again next week.